Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of In the Trenches Sports, presented by Anchor uh, Podcast System, Anchor, um, you know, I really, I mean, it's a podcast system chance, it's a uh, way for you to listen to podcasts, set up your own and everything else, I it's super easy, super simple, I love how uh, we were able to get started on it, and they can go to anchor.fm or download the anchor app to get started um or even to listen to us as well um so yeah um i know we were off last week um both were kind of ill under the weather um and uh this week you know it's been kind of hectic for us delayed the podcast just a little bit but we are here it's saturday morning we've got college game day going in the background seeing what's going on there And we are going to recap what's happened in college football um, preview week four, give you our predictions, look into the NFL um, week three, recap week two, maybe talk about some week one action if we want, Um, talk about all those comeback kids, my goodness. And is Derwin James going to the WWE with what he did to Travis Kelsey? It sure looks like it. Um, but, yeah, that's what we've got in store today, Coach. Um, I know you guys had a game last night with Holland Hall. Um, Coach, I, I think, you know, it may be something each week we should do is uh, a Holland Hall update. So give us a Holland Hall update. Uh, yeah, right now we're <clears> – it's uh, a rough season. We're just – we're young. We've got a lot of guys – we got a lot of older guys that just don't have a lot of experience. Um, they've played a little bit <clears throat> in the last couple of years that we've had blowouts, but when we won back-to-back state championships, um, but it's kind of hard to get, you know, real good game reps when you're kind of playing in blowouts. Um, so we got some experience up front. We got two of our seniors back and healthy this week, which kind of, you know, definitely changed our offense and made our offense a little stronger. Definitely Um, helps. But, you know, this is the first district game and it's the first game that actually matters. Uh, But we lost it, you know, late in the fourth with, uh, you know, a pick early in the fourth quarter hurt us and they just drove the bound and drove down the field and sucked the clock off. Uh, Got a fourth down stop. And then we just, we couldn't connect with a minute left to drive the field. So rough start, but we're getting better every week, and that's what matters. Hey, as long as you guys continue to fight, drive, and, you know, just instill those good fundamentals and ethics into those kids, that's all you can say. You know, <clears throat> yeah, wins are nice, um, but as long as a good product's being put out on that field and those kids are working um, towards the next level, then that's all you can ask for. Exactly. All right, Coach. So let's get this started, and let's dive into some NCAA. What has been your biggest takeaway, I would say, these past two weeks um, that we've had, or even just last week um, with college football? Um, man, anybody can win. We've had you we know, have had some of- upsets. A lot of upsets in college football. Um, you know, one of the biggest was Texas A&M. You know, they're one of the favorites to 
compete for the SEC uh, in some people's mind. They're a top-ranked team, and they lose to a Sun Belt team. And <clears throat> I heard someone locally talk on the radio the other uh, – I think it was early this week, and they said the Sun Belt has really – They've really focused on bringing in really good FCS schools. Yes. Not just just bringing people in to bring people in and fill their conference, but bringing in really good schools that make them more interesting. And that's what they've done with Georgia Southern, uh, Appalachia State. um, There's a couple other schools. So you had Martin Marshall beating Notre Dame. Yeah, Marshall being Notre Dame. I mean, it's been a great couple of weeks. We have what three or four, you know, quote basketball schools that are three and zero for the first time in several years, and the first time that all the four of them are three and zero at the same time. Um, so that's super exciting just to see, you know, some of these basketball schools. Um, compete at you know being top football teams and they're not playing just division two teams they're yeah they're playing people equal or better than them and they're competing and winning so that's awesome to see so it's it's fun that you mentioned you know the basketball schools because you know it, it's not just like the ones that you know people go oh, okay you know that's more so black basketball school it is the blue blood uh the blue bloods <laughs> of college basketball so you got syracuse undefeated going into this week they won last night against virginia you have kentucky still undefeated ucla duke kansas um you know that let me let me pull up the college football standings i mean just those ones alone um let's see here So Syracuse, um, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, um, you also have, I said Kentucky, um, yeah, I mean, those schools are your, your blue bloods of college basketball, and for them to all be undefeated right now, in college football, I mean, just says something about the moves they have made in their athletic department and their coaching and football to finally say, hey, we're going to change the culture and we want to round our whole entire athletic department together. And that says something about the basketball coaches too, especially a school like KU um, that has a coach of Bill Self and his caliber. He's doing everything he possibly can in his power to revamp the entire campus of KU and make it known just not for basketball, because it's always been known for that, but also to make it known for the rest of its athletics. And with that star caliber he has, he's been able to bring in very high power coaches. Now, did it work with Les miles? No, because there were some allegations and everything that arose from his days in LSU. Um, Now could have Les miles done things at KU. I think potentially, but I think Lance Leipold is doing a phenomenal job and yeah. is really, really turning around that KU team. And he is, he's gotten the approval of 
the big man himself, Mark Mangino. And when you have that approval, that means something in KU lore. No, they he is doing such a great job. Um, they sold out their game for this for this weekend. First that, time in a very, <clears throat> very, very long time. Yeah, like over a decade long. So that's exciting. Um, let's you know, let's see what they can do this week as we move forward into conference play and stuff. Um, you know, with the way the bowl system is set up, all you got to do is win three games or six games. So they're halfway there. They can upset a couple teams again this year, maybe. We can see them, you know, sneak into a bowl game, possibly. Really makes me upset that I didn't, uh, while I was back home in Kansas a few weeks ago, didn't put any money down on KU on their win-loss total on the season. Because if you would have taken the over, you won a lot of money last week. Yeah. And, I mean, they were projected two and a half wins this season, and they're at three. So, that – you know, those guys in Vegas and everything else, they didn't have much key and confidence, and no one really does in KU football. But things are changing. Um, it's exciting. The Big 12 landscape is changing, you know, together, all, all in general. Um, you know, you've got Oklahoma still at the at the forefront, um, looking strong. Their defense is looking amazing um, with how they're able to just control teams right now. Um but they've got a tough matchup today with K-State. And if you look at it, the past three, four years, K-State has been probably the biggest thorn in the side of Oklahoma. Yeah, exactly. I'm, three out of four years, it's been super competitive. Um, I predict that it's going to be pretty competitive this week. <clears throat> I I think Levy is still holding back on offense just a little bit because he wants to save it for Texas. Um, but this defense has been so much better than what we've seen the last couple of years. And the style of play is so much different. You know, Grinch was more of a speed defense, which is great when you're playing a lot of passing teams. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's a good system for the Pac-12. Everyone in that conference <coughs> throws the football ridiculously besides Stanford, pretty much. Um, it doesn't work in the Big 12 as much because half your teams throw and the other half are run, run dominant. Um, you know, so, yeah, his the defense has, you know, changed. You've seen a lot more out of it. And I think moving forward, you're going to see this defense, <clears throat> even in this year, do, do a lot more than what you're seeing already. <clears throat> and so, but yeah, Kansas State, good team. Um, quarterback transfer, new quarterback. I still think they kind of tussle with Oklahoma a little bit today and I think it's a close game. And so. No, I, I, I agree with you there. I think it will be close. Um, 
another one that'll be exciting to watch um, in the college landscape to debate today um, that a lot of people are pinpointing in and could possibly see it as an upset is number 21 Wake, uh, Wake Forest playing host to Clemson. That Wake Forest team is shockingly scary in the right way um, and could prove as a potential upset on this, on this Clemson squad. Yeah, it's, it's a game that doesn't seem too interesting just because of the namesake, but if Wake Forest can get in there and keep it close, they might be able to slip away with it in the fourth. <laughs> you know, Clemson's good. They're the favorite. Um, in my eye, they're the favorite in the ACC again. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll see. One game I, I'm looking forward to this weekend as well um, is going to be Wisconsin at Ohio State. Um Wisconsin's just that team in the Big Ten that no matter what year it is, they're always fighting for that top spot. Um, you know, they'll obviously win the West Division probably. Um, don't really see much of a concern there. Um, but they they can play Ohio State hard. Um, but Ohio State – I. There is their offense just too much for Wisconsin, I think, is what you've got to ask. C.J. Stroud, Marvin Harrison, uh, Jr., um, and Jabike, uh, I probably just butchered his name. But, I mean, this Ohio State offense has got so many weapons. And kind of makes you think back to that LSU squad a couple years ago with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Yeah. And Wisconsin is going to have to to keep this game close and keep it you know, in the area of a one-possession game, they're going to have to run the ball and run the clock. You know, they they just have to play clock management and keep Ohio State's defense on the field as much as possible. We know Ohio State can score quick, um, which is scary, but for you to have the best shot, they've got to run the clock as much as possible and drain it and steal possessions away from them. Yes. And they're, they're going to have to go forward on fourth down one or two times. And if you can, maybe do a trick punt, you know. Do something a little bit out of the norm. If you're, if you're close or you're tied or you're ahead, man, do something to steal possession and, you know, at worst, if you don't score, drain three or four minutes off the clock and, you know, take some time away from them. And I, I definitely <clears throat> like what you said there, and I, I agree. I mean, in certain spots, instead of being on the 45-yard line and still out of field goal range and bringing in the punt team, go for it. You've got to do everything you possibly can to keep that Ohio state offense off the field. And so if you can convert on a fourth down and keep that drive alive, that's only going to benefit you more in keeping that score down, keeping Ohio state's offense 
off the field, keeping that defense on the field to where they're wearing down more. And like you said, too, you've got to run the ball. And that's something Wisconsin's always been strong at is that power run um, offense. And, you know, we've seen it in the past. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, um, gosh, who was, who was the other big name back from a few years ago before him? Um, something – was it something ball? I don't remember. I know who you're talking about, but I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, I mean that that I mean he he was breaking records as well, um just like Taylor did. I mean so Wisconsin's always a really good school for running uh for that running game. So I I, I wanna see them really, really do that tonight um against Ohio State. Um so real quick before we transition into our picks, let's go over the college football rankings. Um anything you see in this latest poll that you maybe don't agree with, um, or someone overrated underrated um what, what what do you see got uh in this top, top 25 here coach well <clears throat> we've been super busy lately that we haven't been able to do an update of our rankings um but right now there's not for what i can see here from who do I have? I have the Associate Press Top 25 uh, from September 18th. So this is the latest one so far. <clears throat> I I still not big on Southern Cal being seventh. Like you, you rank them this high because you rank them this high. <clears throat> because they got a new coach and because they brought in a couple transfers. But they haven't played anybody. Last year, they were awful. This year, they're 3-0 and they haven't played anybody to challenge them. So you're just ranking them based off of what, what they have now. Um, so I'm interested. I'm watching that because once they start getting – for competition, then I want to see if they can maintain and stay in that top 10 spot. Um, I'm a little surprised with um, Old Miss, maybe jump Oregon there and split them. Uh, Washington is really kind of a little surprised, 3-0, and um, doing better than what people thought. They had a big win a couple weeks ago, so <clears throat> kudos to them. I'm I'm interested to see where Texas A&M is going to end up. They're 23 right now. You know, if they if they get beat this week, they could drop out of the top 25. Um, yeah, it all depends. All depends on how they do there in Jerry's world. Um, yeah, you, know, you can almost call it a home game for Arkansas just because. Jerry Jones being an Arkansas alumni um, <clears throat> always loves to have at least one game in his stadium um, of Arkansas. So it, yes, it's a neutral site, but you can definitely call it a home game for Arkansas um, for them. Um, but I, I think for me, I'm, I'm still just not big on Clemson. I still think they're overrated. Um, I don't think they should be top five, uh, maybe eighth. Um I just – I don't see their caliber as strong as Oklahoma. Um, 
or some of the other schools that are up there right now. Um, other than that, I mean, Texas, I mean, close game against Alabama, yeah, but really haven't seen much else out of them um, for them to be 22nd. Um, Miami's loss was tough for them, you know, dropping 12 spots. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I'm excited to see some of the names that are receiving uh, votes now. Appalachian mm-hmm. State, you know, they're, they're receiving votes. You've got Kansas finally receiving votes again. Um, and so, I mean, if they, they win today, there's a potential Kansas might actually jump up into the top 25. Yeah. Before their matchup against Iowa State next week. Which is a very winnable game as well. Yeah. With Iowa State graduating the, you know, talent they did last year and taking a step back, there's potential for Kansas to win next week as well. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> all right, Coach, let's get into these predictions for – Week four of the college football um, season. We've got four games on the docket. Duke and Kansas. Florida and Tennessee. Arkansas, Texas A&M. And K-State at Oklahoma. Let's hear them. So I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Duke. Um Now we'll see. It's at Kansas, so that could be, you know, it's sold out like we talked about a little bit ago. So I'm interested. I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas wins, but I'm just going to go with the coach that's been at Duke for a while. David Cutler had a history of playing in big games. You know, this Kansas team hasn't played in a lot of big games. You know, they're finally turning the table. They got a great quarterback, but Duke plays in the SEC or the ACC. They're a little used to playing big games. And so I think that's gonna kind of push them over the edge. And I got them winning thirty one to twenty. All right. Um I've, no go. So I, I've got Kansas in this one, thirty seven twenty seven. Um you know, you mentioned Kansas not playing big games. They've had some I, I would say big games for themselves this year, though. Um, you know, that overtime win against West Virginia um, with the pick six as well to end overtime. Um, the big game last week down in Houston, you know, even the weather delay in there and everything else. I think that definitely helped having that weather delay for Kansas. They were able to kind of regroup, um, come back out um, and won that ball game um, against a, a good Houston squad that, you know, might be able to overtake Cincinnati um, in the American Conference. Um, so at the level of Kansas, big games for him, yes. Um, at the level of constantly playing big games, you know, no. But I, I've, I've definitely got Kansas this one, 37-27. I think that crowd um, in LFK, Lawrence, freaking Kansas, um, does something um, and shakes up those Blue Devils. And it, it's going to feel like uh, Allen Fieldhouse, but with an open, uh, open environment. So let's move on to number 20, Florida, at number 11, Tennessee, where College Game Day is at. Uh, they're in good old Rocky Top. What are those Gators going to do with the balls? 
I've got them going for an upset. They they look the part. They play really good offense. They got a dynamic quarterback who's great at controlling the tempo. Um, you know, they they want to be the top dogs in the SEC again. And this is the game where if, if you win this game, it's they control their own destiny from there on out. And yes. Uh, so I got them going 34 28. All right. So I've also got Florida winning this one. It's going to be a close game. Um, I would not be shocked if Tennessee's uh, able to come come off with a victory as well. Um, but right now, with just how Florida is playing, um, the opponents they've had so far this season, um, I'm just liking their swagger and everything going into this ball game. I've got them 31-27 over Tennessee um, on the showdown on CBS. And then we've got the battle in Jerry's world, number 10, <clears throat> Arkansas. Number 10, Arkansas coach. That is Sam Pittman and these Razorbacks. My goodness. Going against, uh, like you said, one of the SEC favorites. Are, are they really? Um, number uh, 23, Texas A&M. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think a lot of their favoritism kind of came in the offseason with such dominant recruiting, maybe. Um, but I know there was one recruiting class. Kind of, yeah. And I think part of that was just people were kind of favoring them because they had a good year last year. Um, but I think Arkansas is a more consistent team. They can run the ball excellent. And same thing, they have a quarterback that is very, very stuck. He's, he's a dual threat guy. And so if he can keep plays alive with his feet and make a couple, you know, first down plays <clears throat> to keep drives alive, I think they're going to steal this one 24 to 20. So – only thing that scares me with Arkansas is how they played last week to Missouri State. Mm-hmm. FCS school. I mean, they were down a good chunk of that ball game. Yes, they were able to come back and win and finally close it out, you know, in that fourth quarter. But still, that is a Missouri State squad that I mean, I'm not trying to knock them down at all. I mean, they're in the top top ten in the FCS polls, if I remember correctly. Um Top, so they're actually tied for fourth. Um, so put them in fifth um, in the FCS poll. Um, you've got North Dakota State, Montana, South Dakota State, Montana State, and Missouri State. Um, all right there in the top five of the FCS. So, I mean, that that's not a team to knock down at all that played in Arkansas very well last week. But what scared me is how well Missouri State was able to run that ball and control the clock against Arkansas. Finally, Arkansas was able to get it down in the, you know, final portion of that game and get get some points on the board and stop some drives of Missouri State. But if Arkansas comes out and plays like they did um, against Mo State, against Texas A&M, Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher will take advantage of that and run Arkansas down the drain. So that's where I am concerned with the Hogs. 
but I've still got Arkansas on this one, 34, 26. Um, but it all depends on how they can bounce back from last week. And if, you know, if, if they let up off the gas and allow Texas A&M do what most state did, then there's going to be issues. But if they can keep the foot on the pedal, um, then they're going, they're going to be in control of this ball game. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's a – they overlooked them or if they just play to the level of their competition. And so I think we'll find out today if – depending on how they can control the clock, how they control the game, and what their attitude and mindset is, I think we'll find out pretty soon if they're – if they can be a true contender or not. Yes. And, you know, another question you got to ask, you know, about that playing level, was it – possibly something Bobby Petrino, the former head coach of Arkansas, who's the head coach of Missouri State, was it a revenge game for him as well? So yeah. kind of something some kind of something. Because typically when you're playing your former school, especially with how things ended, you're you're going to put a little bit extra ump into that game planning. Um so last game of our predictions for college football, we've got your Oklahoma Sooners number six in the nation playing host to those Wildcats out of the Little Apple in Manhattan, Kansas. It's like we said, it, it's going to be a close, close game. Um, and yeah, I mean, let, let's hear it, coach. Yeah, I've got, <clears throat> I got Oklahoma winning 30 to 27. I think it's a close game. Um, it's going to be a defensive game. I think the fourth quarter, the offenses are going to connect a little bit and score, but I, think Oklahoma's run game helps them pull away a little bit and um, you know they get they get a score late in the fourth to kind of seal it but I I think this is going to be a defensive game and it's going to be and you got to think Brent Venables played at Kansas State he coached at Kansas State got the Oklahoma job coached there got his master's there and so he kind you know he kind of has a love for both schools um in a respectful way because you know Kansas State helped make him who he was with uh oh who's the old coach I why am I Snyder his name Snyder um you know so I know it's a big game for him he wants to win that game and it, it'll be kind of a big statement win for him to, you know, beat your alumni. And it's a team that we've Oklahoma struggled to play with the last couple of years. So, but yeah, I think it's a defensive game and it's going to be a three, three point game. I totally forgot that Venables was even from Salina, Kansas. So yep. my goodness. Um, yeah. I mean, you, so you've got a one score game in this. I'm. I think if it was in Manhattan, it would be a little bit different for me. Um, I've got Oklahoma by 18, 41, 23 in this ball game, um, and I think that's only because it's in Norman. Um, and the way this Oklahoma offense has been able to just control games um, and get some very quick scores, I think that's going to um, what's what's going to happen late in the ball game. Um, I, I think it'll be close all the way up until maybe the. Um, late portion of the third quarter going into the fourth quarter. And that's when that Oklahoma offense is going to open it up um, and going to have a, you know, 
three score lead um, at at the end of this ball game. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, coach. Yeah. Any final <clears throat> thoughts on NCAA uh, before we get into the big boys, the NFL? No, it's it hasn't disappointed yet, and. Um, I, and a side note, West Virginia and Virginia Tech had the most views for the – what was it? it? was the most viewed Thursday night college game that was a – that was not opening week for like the first time in, a, in several years. And it had uh, – it peaked, I think, at – Two million viewers or something. So, it's. I think you got to look at what they were going up against as well Thursday night, and not not trying to you know play down to West Virginia, Virginia Tech because it was you know two good schools. Um, West Virginia absolutely blew it out though, um, but now you've got Thursday night football on Prime instead of actually on cable, you know, on Fox. Um, and really, I mean, it was the Steelers and Browns. I mean, and with the issues Prime has been having with some of their broadcasting and everything else between last week and now this week, I think a lot of people were choosing to tune in into college football on, on to ESPN to I mean to watch that instead of you know tuning in to watch the Steelers and Browns. I mean, yeah, I watched the Steelers and Browns, but I I, I probably would have rather watched the West Virginia and uh, Vatek. And see, I, I watched the Prime game, um, and I think mostly I've been watching just to – because this time I, I did Troy and Buck, um, which I did that a little bit the first week. That So that, that's, mon- that's Monday night. Monday night, sorry. Who um, – it's Herb, it's Herb Street and Al Michaels. Yes, okay. I think Herb Street's doing really well. I was surprised. He's he He's needs doing to learn better than I expected. Yes. So I mean, he needs to do dig more into you know knowledge of the <clears> NFL. <throat> you know, he's bringing a lot of college knowledge into it, but he's got to get to know these players because you hear a lot of him just saying, "Well, that number, that number," or you know, this guy instead of you know referencing him by name or anything else like that. Um, so he's, he's, I, I feel he's got to get a better knowledge of the actual NFL, you know, game. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I'm just like you, I, I think he's transitioned well and to have such a great mentor like Al Michaels as well to be alongside him in the booth is perfect. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, that that's very interesting. Um, but yeah, I I think that's awesome that West Virginia and Virginia Tech uh, hit high numbers for the first time in several years, and <clears throat> West Virginia is really good. Their record doesn't show it, but they're a lot better than what their record shows, mm-hmm. and they're losing games close. And so to get that win in a dominant way is nice. Um, but yeah, that's just my last side note. No, I like it. I like it. Um, 
know, let's see here. My last one thing on college real quick before we move on. Oh, when does it start? When does it start? Because we're not too far away from some Tuesday night action starting soon. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm excited here shortly for those Tuesday night games um, to start with the MAC conference. Um, that's probably my last thought on college football. Let's get into the NFL now. Um, dude, my goodness. Like, I, I don't even know where to begin with what has happened so far this season. Um, you know, week one did not disappoint. Um, you know, I, I think there were several teams where you just were like, wait, that happened? Um, and then you were like, oh, that happened? I, I'm not shocked there. Um but, you know, Detroit-Philly, hard-fought game, great game. Um, I mean, you had, oh, Indy and Houston playing to a tie. Pittsburgh and Cincy almost played to a tie. Um, Minnesota, absolutely embarrassing Green Bay. Kansas City coming out there, doing great. Um, Dallas, just a laughing stock. Um, Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. I mean, he can't even know how to tell. He doesn't yeah. even know how to. He, he doesn't even know how to tell time. And then last week, the fans having to count down the play clock to avoid delay of games, and they still get delay of games as well. They've got four delay of games on the season just alone right now. Yeah, I mean, Russ doesn't look great, um, but I mean, he's not helping. Like he's. When you're hearing reports of inside mm-hmm. the facility and inside, you know, I mean, just everything that they are having to revamp the communication between the coaches, the players, and how stuff is ran efficiently, that's not a good sign at all. Not a good sign. No, so it's not. I, if this continues for Denver – I, I don't expect Nathaniel Hackett to maybe make make it past the offseason. No, and because someone started talking about this the other day on local radio, and I kind of agree. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he does get removed, Sean Payton's the guy. I... Stable quarterback, stable organization – owner you have a defense that has has the makings to be top five you've got weapons you've got a great run young running back you got a good veteran running back that maybe you can depend on what you do next year could uh, be there or not so I could see that because I would rather take the Denver job than the Cowboys job yes and see that's where I was going to bring that up you know Part of me would like to see him go to Denver, um, but I just – I think he's almost holding out for Dallas as well. Um, you know, those rumors and everything when he was suspended this entire season, you know, I have speculation of him, you know, not returning to New Orleans and going to Dallas the next season after the suspension and everything else. You know, there's, there's just those rumors circulating and how he's from the Dallas area – um, you know, it's just 
it's one of those things that is kind of always that wild card right now. And, but it is one of those things where he's come out and said, you know, he'll come back and coach next year for the right situation. And Denver might be that right situation um, if they move on from Hackett. But I mean, you just, you can't, you, I, I don't think you can count out Dallas just yet. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't want to work with Jerry Jones. I mean, look at the comments he made this week between Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. Yeah. I, like, I mean, yeah, let, let's welcome a quarterback competition. And if Coop plays, outplays Dak, then he's our new starter. Then what? You just gave this man how much money? And you're saying these comments? I mean, I'm sorry, Jerry, but what, what is going through your head? And then Mike McCarthy getting asked about that in the press conference and laughing it off and basically calling Jerry Jones an idiot without calling him an idiot. I, things are not right in Dallas. No. I mean, I'm sorry, because Cooper Rush has had a good game, one good game this year so far. He really only had one good game last year. You're not going to start him over Dak. Is Dak a top five quarterback? Yes, if he has the right weapons. With the weapons he has now, no, he's probably a top 15 guy. But Cooper Rush is not a top 20 quarterback. Probably not even a top 32 quarterback. No. So, you're looking dumb. You spent money in the wrong places. You overpaid for a veteran running back that was not that good. Who had injuries. I think you overpaid Dak. Like, if he was your guy, great. But I think you overpaid him. And... Now you don't have any wide receivers. We got a guy that's emerging after his this is the sixth season in NFL and now he's having a career year. Like there's a reason why it's his sixth year and he's just not playing. Yeah. So yeah, that's I mean they'd they'd be better off having Trayvon Diggs play both sides of the ball. I mean, we could do that. It really could happen. It really could. And I, I think the wide I think the receiving core would be better off. So so I mean but I mean week two, my goodness, man. I mean it just it had some games. I mean the comebacks that happened in it. Arizona coming back and winning the way they did against Vegas to close out that ball game, to force it into overtime. I mean, one, that says something about Kyler Murray, not giving up right there, but, and especially the way it happened too, on that two point conversion, get a delay of game, a delay of game and have to do the two point conversion from the seven yard line. Your chances to, you know, make it then are just even more astronomically, you know, in the wrong. And yet he was able to scramble, 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 like he did earlier on a two-point conversion in the ball game, where he probably ran what 75 yards alone just to score that two point. Yeah. 
And, I mean, that just shows you right there what we've talked about with Kyler. But this is Kyler beginning of the season. When it gets down towards the end of the season, that's when he starts trailing off. So I, I, I've got to see if Kyler can continue this play throughout the whole entire season. Well, and this is what frustrates me is Cliff does not create plays. No. He just – he has his playbook, and that's what he calls. Like, you have the fastest guy on the field with Hollywood Brown, and you can't find out three or four little gadget plays to get him the ball. You can't just have him run verts every play. Like, they're, they're going to – double team him to something over top you've got to create ways to get him the ball and do something you don't have Hopkins you have Hurts and you have Brown that's that's literally your two stars right now and so now they they have utilized other guys which is nice but you just made a big trade to bring in a dynamic wide receiver. Now, side note, and this actually connects to uh, C.D. Lamb, Lincoln Riley in the past has not had great wide receivers that run great routes. Yeah, He just has athletic wide receivers that get open. So when they transfer to the NFL – they really don't know how to run a route and separate. They just know how to run around and get open. Like, there's a reason why Mike Evans is so good. He runs a good, crisp route and gets separations. Unless there's he's playing Marshawn, uh, unless he's playing Lattimore. Yeah, but there's a reason why <laughs> C.D. Lamb is not a top wide receiver right now, or Marquise Brown because they don't know how to do anything besides run around and run lazy routes and just try to find a hole to get open. And so it kind of hurts them. You, but you, you've got to create ways for Brown to get the ball besides just going deep. And I think that's why he got frustrated with uh, Baltimore is it was – that's what it really was, was just, hey, go deep. And if Lamar can't break it, we'll just throw it up. And so now you came to an offensive-minded coach who loves to spread the ball around, and he can't find ways to get the most athletic guy the ball. Yeah, it's so it's just frustrating on my end to see that. I, I agree. So it's, I mean, week one, you got your butt handed to you because you you literally didn't know what to do by an unproven Kansas City defense. Like, they've had a lot of turnover on defense. They have a lot of guys back, but they have a couple key spots where they've got guys that are new to the system. And so you weren't sure what was going to happen. Yep. And they just came out and handed you a butt weapon because you didn't know what to do. So. Yeah, no, I agree. So, I mean, let's, let's I mean, continue with it real <laughs> quick um, that you talk about gadget plays. 
Miami, two of six touchdowns alone in the second half. Come back and win 42-38 over Baltimore. I, is that just Tyreek being Tyreek and, you know, allowing pressure to be taken off of the other receivers to open up the field for Tua? Or, I mean, is this Mike McDaniel? Um, is he he is an offensive genius that, you know, was hidden in San Francisco? I think it's – I think it's more Hill, Waddle, and Tua just being athletes. And when, when you have two guys like Waddle and Hill, one of them runs a vert, one of them runs an under. So now you're going – the safety has to pick one. The corner's got to pick one. Somebody's open. And I, I feel like that's kind of what happened a little bit. Um, and same thing, Hill is not a great route runner, but he's fast, and he knows how to make a guy miss to get separation. Yes. Just with his, with his quickness and speed. Um, but I, I think that's what it really was, was just let's go vertical, let's try to spread the field, and if you can't hit it deep, we'll hit them in the middle of the field and kind of just do what we can do. And they caught Baltimore, who has young injury defense, a young injured defense, uh-huh. So their secondary is not great right now, but they caught them in one-on-one coverage where most of the time Waddle and Hill are going to win. So kudos to them for, you know, playing the right system. Yeah, I mean, no. you, made, you made Tua look like a top-five quarterback. Which I don't think he is. Um, no, but... The, I mean, it, this, this week's going to be a true testament of Tua and that Miami team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, let's I, – I think the last game that I mean, really stood out in my mind, um, I think you've got to look at Kansas City and Los Angeles, that Thursday night game. Kansas City started off slow. Los Angeles started off really strong. Um and I was getting worried in that ball game. You know, Los Angeles was marching down the field, getting scores, stopping the Kansas City offense. Um, and, you know, it just wasn't looking looking good there for KC. And finally, that second half, I mean, you had the Watsons, Justin Watson and Jalen Watson, um, no relation there, um, but two big game-changing plays. I mean, you had a 40-plus yard touchdown from uh, – Justin Watson, and then you had the 99-yard pick six, Jalen Watson um, touchdown. I mean, that that right there changed the ball game um, for the Chiefs. And the de- the way the defense was able to, you know, really rally and put pressure on Herbert um, and get, get some big hits on him late in that ball game as well. And I when Herbert is in so much pain and he's not even willing to throw the ball 
that that's when you know that defense has really stepped up and changed the way um, they play. Or tuck it and get a three-yard first down. Right. That that really that really threw me off. That, yeah, that was surprising. He like, he 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 was wide open for that first down. And yeah. He, and for he, him he to just throw it, give it up. He had to be in pain where he didn't even recognize what was going on. Yeah. And I mean, going into week three, he's questionable. Um, and honestly, I'm not trusting that team doctor of the Chargers um, still, um, because it's still the same team doctor that punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung um, with the shot, and he's being sued now by Taylor. Um, so, I, I, me, if I'm Herbert, I'm still not trusting that team doc with what's going on, especially if it's my rib cage. That was something that Tyrod was suffering as well, and they went to do a shot, and hey, next thing I know, I've got a punctured lung. Um, so I, if I'm Herbert, I'm not trusting him. No, I'm I'm seeking out my own medical care right there. Yeah, um, my goodness. Um, but one last thing in that ball game uh, with the Chiefs and uh, Chargers. Travis Kelsey got absolutely destroyed by Derwin James. Like, yeah, James has gotten fined for it now. Uh, I think $15,000 fine or something. But that just shows you. I I honestly think Derwin James is probably one of the best, if not the best safety in the league. Um, Mm. And he absolutely just made Travis Kelsey look like a child and powerbombed him. Um. Well, in the week before that, in week one, Malcolm Rodriguez destroyed four-year uh, wrestler in high school just flipped Jason Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, so two weeks in a row, the Kelsey brothers have gone viral and made a laughing stock for getting destroyed and put on their ass. Yeah, I mean, Jason Kelsey drove – Rodriguez into the end zone, but Rodriguez was kind of tired of it, so he just hip tossed him, and that's a big boy yes. to get thrown like that. I mean, he was airborne for a while. So, oh, oh, coach, we're getting the uh, headgear pick right now. Oh, are we really? We are. I see a <clears throat> blue tick. Or blood, I see the bloodhound on the set right now. We are going to play this out. What is Corso going to do? They've got a former uh, Tennessee track star, Bianca Belair, who is uh, the women's WWE champion. And Corso is going with the Vols to beat uh, Florida tonight or today. That's not a surprise. I'm he favors a lot of home teams. He does. He really does. Which, for a coach, that makes sense. But, oh, I think Herbie's going with the Gators with the way he was clapping like that. So. All right. So, let's let's get back to uh, – um, back to – our NFL. I mean, but yeah, I, the Kelsey's absolutely destroyed two weeks in a row. And I mean, Ke- Jason's not a not a small boy to be thrown around. Um, 
And, you know, I, I've just got to say it, though. This new podcast that Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey have launched, I told you to look at, uh, check it out. I don't know if you've had, have yet or not. They've got three episodes. It's called New Heights. Um, it is absolutely awesome to listen to. They do it on YouTube as well. I need to go out and actually watch it on there. Um, but it is awesome, hilarious, and the way they just talk about football, um, support each other, show each other love, um, but then just the knowledge of the game. I mean, the first episode, you have Jason Kelsey talking about the shades and the one eye, the two eye, the three eye, and the way shading works on, on the line. Mm-hmm. If you don't love that, then there's something wrong with you. I mean, because that whole numbering system is completely messed up. Oh, it's hilarious how that numbers. <laughs> so, and, I mean. And for different coaches, it's different numbers. Yeah. Like some coaches have a one as the shade on the center. Some people have that as a zero. Some people have that just as a left or a right shade. And then the one is in the gap. It's nuts. So, but yeah, I'm going to have to check it out. I've seen a couple, like just the short clip videos, like the 15 second clips. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it's definitely on my list to start uh, listening to at work. Yeah, it's it's a good one. Um, they usually do 12 questions um, for the show, um, asking each other different things about <laughs> their, uh, their game, that past week, upcoming game, and just other things about their football life. Um, so it, it, it's, it's fun to check out. Um, but let's get into week three now um, and kind of preview it. Um, I mean, we've, we've got some good matchups this week. Um, I think probably the biggest one to look for is possibly Green Bay and Tampa. Both teams, offensives, offensives, um, offense team, uh, ugh, if I can talk, coach. Uh, both teams' offenses kind of struggling um, to start um, the season. Tampa Bay's only got two touchdowns so far on the season right now. Green Bay finally had a bounce back against uh, Chicago last week. But this is probably going to be a game that is going to determine, you know, who might control that NFC this year. Um, and it's the first time in NFL history where we have a matchup between in, – in the regular season, I think is what it said, between two – three-time MVPs. That's awesome. So, I what what what's your takes on Green Bay and uh, Tampa? And I, I think we've got them. No, we do. So, I mean, we do have yeah, this. We have, we're picking later. Um, but, you know, what, what's, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, it's really not a surprise. I mean, the Packers, you know, lost their number one receiver. Um, they didn't go bring anybody in, really. Um, so they, and Rogers, just like Brady, you know, is not big on young guys. I mean, he's more of a prove it to me first and then we'll go from there. Um, you know, you've got to get Jones the ball. They did that in week two and we saw what happened. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, and their defense is not great. I thought their defense would be better than what it is. Um, but they've struggled. The Buccaneers are just injuries right now. Yeah. Injuries. Evans is a little banged up. 
Now he's suspended. Godwin's banged up. Um, you know, really, you only have Leonard Fournette as your running back. They haven't used the rookie White as much just yet, but I, I think that's going to come because I think Leonard Fournette might get banged up pretty soon, and so then they're going to have to use White. Um, they signed Beasley and brought him in. I think that's an interesting option as a nice slot because I would have thought they would have went to try to go get someone like Will Fuller to be more of a downfield threat or midfield threat. Yeah. But. I mean, Beasley's got some good speed on him. It's going to be some nice fresh legs into that offense as well. Um, But, you know, being signed this week and potentially playing this Sunday, how much of the playbook is he going to know? Exactly. So that that's kind of one concern I I I, I kind of think about. Um, what stands out to you? I mean, here in week three, I mean, any games that you're just kind of like, hey, don't count this team out. Um, I've got one in mind, but you know, let's hear it from you. Um, I think the Vikings are better than what week two showed us. Um, it, it, it was it was a coach it was a primetime game and it was yeah, cousins and, on primetime and they played a really good team so it wasn't really a shock I think they're better than what people think they are um, and then the I mean the Eagles look good I think the Eagles kind of look like the Ravens did when they made their big playoff push. Um, a couple of years ago with Lamar winning the MVP. They kind of remind me of that. Um, but other than that, I think that's pretty much it. I've got like 15 minutes. All right. Oh, Kansas just got a controversial call. They just – they scored the touchdown, but they said he was down um, on fourth down at the goal – at like the inch yard line. So it was turnover on downs. Mm. Um, so we'll see how that plays out for Kansas and Duke. Um, so let's go ahead and move over to the predictions. Um, you know, one one that I'm kind of looking at, though, um, as a team not to overlook, though, is Indianapolis. They've got that slow start, but this is an Indianapolis team that can get going at any time. <laughs> and if the, the Chiefs can't, can't overlook this. Um, and it's a team that always plays Kansas City well. Um, yeah, and so if Pittman's back, it helps open that offense up. Yes. Um, so let's go ahead and get in predictions, uh, get this wrapped up. Um, since I know you are on a time crunch today, um, we've got the Bills and Dolphins, Lions and Vikings, Packers, Bucks, Rams, Cardinals, and Cowboys, Giants. You can look for all these on the Twitter page as well. Um, let's go ahead and just do them quick. Um, I've got the Bills 45 over the Dolphins 37 in this one. Um, kind of depends on how Tua and that offense uh, goes, but potentially um, – the Bills could open up this even more, uh, but I think it's going to be a close game because of the uh, injuries on their defense right now. Yeah, I'm going to go Bills 41, Dolphins 27. Um, <clears throat> I think the Bills – I think the Bills are their best team in the NFL right now, and I think the Dolphins favor the pass too much this week because of, mm-hmm. because of what they did last week that it puts them in a hole quick and um, they try to fight themselves out. Yeah. Um, So we go into Lions and Vikings. 
you've got my surprise team this season, and man, are they looking good. I've got the hey, Lions. I'm, I'm liking Dan Campbell. Like, do it. I'm on the bus. <laughs> like, let's go. Did I not tell you? And you were just like, mm, I don't know yet. I don't know. But I told you. I told you. Well, and I started, like, kind of looking into it a little bit. And, like, his staff is majority, like, former NFL players. Oh, yeah. They're, they're all Which former is, NFL players that have years, like, 10-plus years of playing experience, yeah. each so one that's of them. Ex- that's so exciting for a young team to have experienced coaches in the NFL playing. It's, it's, it's different. It's a different mindset and stuff, so – yeah, yes. I'm, I don't know if they're going to be as good as you think they'll be this year, but I think this is a team in a year or two that will definitely be a stronger contender. Yeah. So I've got the Lions 34 over the Vikings 24 in this one. Um, I, I, I just think the Lions do it. Yeah, I've got uh, Lions coming up short, going 28, Vikings 31. I think the Vikings – connect on the pass game a little better this week. Um, Jefferson gets back in the game and becomes more of a threat. And I I think Cook runs the ball a little better this week. He needs to get more active in that in that system. I mean, my goodness, he has been a bust these last two weeks. Yeah, so. All right, so I think <clears throat> this is going to be a close one um, for us. Um, really, I, I think the next three games we're picking are going to be close ones. Um, but I've got the Packers 24 over the Bucks 23. Um, now, I think this is going to come down to probably the final seconds as well um, to where it lines Mason Crosby up for a game-winning field goal or it lines up the Bucks for a game-winning field goal that they miss. But I think it's going to come down to those final seconds. Yeah, same thing. I, I agree. I think it's going to be a close one. I have the Bucks 20. Uh, the Bucks 27, beating the Packers 24. I just think the Buccaneers' defense is a little better. And so <clears throat> I think they're able to shut down the Packers' pass game. The, but right now, neither team can pass too well. So I yeah. think it just it becomes a run-heavy game, and the Buccaneers just outlast. Yeah, I like it. All right, we go to the – Toaster in the desert, uh, the Rams and the Cardinals, home of uh, Super Bowl 57 it is this year. I was wrong a few weeks ago when I said it was 56. Um, and we've got, I've got the Rams 31, Cardinals 27. I think this is going to be a close game. Um, we've got beginning season Kyler. Um, he does something. But I think uh, Stafford, Cup, and the Rams outlast him and uh, come away with the victory. Yeah, I'm going to go Rams, 38, Cardinals, 28. I think the Cardinals just don't have a run game now. Connor is banged up. Yep. Um, they, haven't re- they haven't used their rookie too much. They, their pass game is, you know, like I said earlier, they're not creating plays to get their best players involved. Um, you know, I think they really need Ertz to be a big difference maker. But I think the Rams just have too much on defense, and I think they're too consistent in the run game to not win. Yeah, I, I see it. <clears throat> All right, so we go into Monday Night Football. 
um, battle in the NFC East. And, you know, when this game first was announced on Monday Night Football, I, I was not looking forward to it. Um, but now with how the Giants are playing, undefeated right now still, Brian DeBull is changing the atmosphere in New York um, and changing that team and really doing some fun things um, and some ballsy things too. Um, I've got the Giants 21 over the Cowboys 17. Um, Cooper Rush falls off this week. Like you said, the the receiving core is just not there. Zeke's overrated. Um, I don't think he's he's going to get anything going on the ground this week. I, I think maybe possibly Pollard can get the job done. Um, but it's going to come down to the Giants winning this one by four. Yeah, I think I initially had the Cowboys winning this game a couple of weeks ago when we did predictions for the season. But I got the Giants 24, Cowboys 21. Just I think Saquon is going to run up and down us. Um, Cowboys are not consistent enough. And I don't think – I don't think McCarthy is gutsy enough to go for it on fourth down when we need it. And so I – I think he's just a little too hesitant. Um, and I don't think Rush is going to be able to withstand this defensive front that the Giants have developed. Yeah, I, I don't see it either. All right, Coach. I think that about wraps it up for Episode 14, The Comeback Kids. Um, for, uh, for us, I mean, any final thoughts before we send you off to your wife and the lovely daughter um, and send us off into the abyss of week four and college and week three of the NFL season. Uh, no, just keep uh, following us. We're, we've been super busy the last couple of weeks uh, with family stuff, being sick. Um, <clears throat> so we're trying to stay as active as we can. Sorry, I still have a major cough. Um, oh, dude, I, I feel it. I've when I was that that week, I went to Kansas City. It got bad for me coming home to where end up getting um, Macy gave it to me from kids that she works at the hospital. It's called adenovirus, though. So you've got the sinus infection in your head. You get ear infections both side. Your eyes actually start draining um, and get, you know, all that gunk and everything to where it looks like you've got pink eye, but you don't. Yeah. Um, you've got the cough drainage, everything. So, I mean, I'm still battling that right now to where I could not hear out of my left ear. I'm my right ear still a little funky. Um, and being, having a job now too, where I'm on the phones, my whole entire shift and having to talk to customers, um, on a headset, that makes that difficult. <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely understand. So, but yeah, I mean, no. Uh, so yeah, no, be patient with us guys. Uh, we appreciate everything you guys do. Um, loving the interaction we're seeing on Twitter. Um, and I mean, shoot, one of the polls you threw out the other day within three minutes had already like 15 interactions on it. Um, so that's awesome. So yeah, just continue. I mean, I love it. And we are hopefully going to start talking about merchandise and stuff and maybe try to start selling stuff within the next couple months. So speaking, speaking of that coach, the wife has gotten a cricket and a heat press and everything else. Um, so she is getting some mock stuff, uh, some mocks kind of drawn up for us, created um, some shirts and some hats. So once those are completed, 
Um, we'll, I'll send you some. What size? What size? Uh, what shirt? Yes. Uh, I think right now I'm an extra large because I've extra lost large. some weight. So. All right. All right. So yeah. So I will. Uh, once we get kind of some, you know, prototypes out there, I'll I'll get it uh, sent over to you. But yeah, she has gotten herself a cricket off the marketplace and has gone vinyl happy. Um, and you know, it's kind of scary with the stuff that has been created here recently and the vinyls that are all over the house, but it's also fun to see her enjoy this. Um, and your wife is probably the same if she has a cricket. Uh, she does not have one. So, okay. Well, I will, uh, <laughs> I'll message her and tell her to just check out fake Facebook marketplace. Right. <laughs> But yeah, no, dude. Um, so yeah, follow us at Sports Trenches. Um, keep an eye out. We might have some merchandise coming out soon. Um, hopefully within maybe some the next months or so to where we can get some hats, some stickers or something like that out there on the market um, for our followers. And uh, yeah, no, just keep keep the support coming. We appreciate it. Um, other than that, you know, episode 14 is in the books and uh, we'll See you next week for episode 15. Bye.